Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. This morning, I had a homeless guy um, show up at my car as I'd parked. He just beeline right for me and uh, rolled down the window and he was like, man, I need to get in that building. I said, I don't own that building. And um, and he goes, well, okay, I just really need to go to the bathroom. I was like, okay. Uh, I said, well, that building is open. Those doors right there. Just walk in. You got some guys who will help you out. So he came in, and, um, and, uh, and then I walked into the restroom just making sure he was all good. And, um, and, uh, and he said, man, honestly, I just need a pair of shoes. And I said, well, I don't have any shoes. And then I was like, Nathan, Nathan convicted me here. Um, but he came around. I told all the guys. And Nathan goes, well, I'll give him my shoes. And I well, I can't give him my Vans. You know, like, and... Um, <laughs> It's okay. I'm just being honest with y'all. Like, it just, I'm just, you know, because I know, I know you all think so highly of me. And so, uh, but Nathan stepped up to the plate and handed him his shoes. So if you think Nathan's just trying to be grounded today, uh, it's not. It's because he gave a man uh, that just walked in our building to go to the restroom a pair of shoes. And uh, so if you want to buy Nathan a pair of shoes, um, I'm not joking. Um, we're going we're gonna to pitch in. He's going to walk in next week, like, handing out shoes because he's going to buy so many. But I think it's awesome, man. I think that, I think that kind of heart is, is really, really special. All right, let's jump in. We're going to talk about the third part of what I, we talk about as our purpose and mission here is to fix our eyes on Jesus, be formed by community in community, and to live out our calling. We just don't think the church is meant to only know Jesus and know each other. We are also meant to be people who live on our streets and avenues and boulevards in a way that represents Jesus. Amen? The world doesn't need a bunch of Christians uh, who are afraid to go into the places and spaces of this earth. And so we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. What does that mean to live out your calling? What does it mean to have a calling? What does it mean, the word itself, calling? What does that mean? And um, here's the challenge of calling, all right? Because it is a challenge. But the challenge of calling is that it's a call. And the challenge of that is it's not a call that you make to yourself. It is a call that you receive from someone else. And we have a world that is chasing the calling that they have given themselves and dissatisfied because it is not the one they've been called to by the creator who made them. And so, but, but what's difficult about that is that I have all kinds of ideas for myself. I got all kinds of ideas for what I could do in this life. And I've got to stop myself long enough to hear the one who's called me and shaped me and made me. And so for us to get going in a series like this, talking about calling, I need to kind of take a little bit of a tour, a road trip through a couple key scriptures. We're going to unpack this uh, first one a little later on in June. I think we're going to go through a Genesis series, and, uh, or Genesis really, just the first couple chapters. And uh, we're going to hit some hot button issues, and uh, that's not necessarily the goal of it, but we are going to talk about some um, things that culture ta- is talking about, and um, we'll see how we go when we get there. But I want to take a little bit of a road trip to do this because I think it's really important to see that, that most, of time, most of the time the church has done this thing where you are sinners, you need saving. And that's been like the whole of the narrative. That's been the whole of the story. But the whole of the story is actually God created you. It got messed up. He's trying to restore you so that we can restore his creation. That's a much better narrative than the narrative that we tend to throw. Is sin a part of that? Absolutely. Is redemption a part of that? Absolutely. But it starts with a creation that was good. And it is a restoring of those who will help and make and become that which is good again. That is the breadth of the narrative that we walk in. 
And if all we do is remind people that they're sinners, we will forget that they were also created with the image of God in their soul, in their heart, in their mind. They are made with purpose and calling. And that is the redemptive thing that we are bringing back into the earth. And so if we miss that, if we let that go, we will, we will mess this up. We will, because then there's also, there's no beginning and there's no end. Then we will sing Kumbaya, I hope we get escape this earth as soon as possible. And it will mess up the story we're living. So we're going to go back. We're going to go back to Genesis, where there was a garden created but not finished. There was a creation that was uncreated. It was made, just not done. It was almost like there was a need for more than what God had already done. And I know that's weird to hear, because I know we always talk about the Garden of Eden as a perfect place. But let me say it this way. It was perfect for all that God had created it to become. It was perfect for all the things that he wanted to thrive in the environment that he had created. There's a very real sense that what God had done, he was still doing. That the work he had accomplished gave way to more work to be finished. You cannot read the early chapters of the Bible and the early chapters of Scripture without noticing a need for his creation to participate in its creation. The very first thing God does with Adam is what? Give him a job. We have condemned work. We have made it something that should not and cannot be enjoyable. But usually that's because of the motive and the why behind it much more than it is the work of it. Does that mean every job is great and awesome? No, it simply means that our work is unto something different and wholly, completely outside the bounds of what the earth does it for. So let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Let's go to the place that was good and not done. In Genesis 1, you get this 30,000-foot view of what Scripture talks about as the creation story. In Genesis 2, you see almost this zoom in. Some would say they're almost two different narratives, and that's fine. But let me just read this portion of scripture that I've always really, really enjoyed. We're going to get somewhere, and I promise. Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 8 says, These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. At the time that the Lord God had made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not made it rain in the land, and there was no man to work the ground. I want you to hear what I just said. The reason it wasn't doing everything it was supposed to do is because God hadn't made it rain and man hadn't made it work. Does this mess with your, like, I, I get it. Like, the garden was great. It was awesome. But God had more for it. God had more to do with it. And he was creating a creation that would help it become all it was created for. But mist came from the earth and water and watered all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed, what? The breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in the Eden in the east. In Eden in the east. And there he placed the man he had formed. Man, there is so much freedom in this scripture. And so much possibility in this section of scripture. And if we would take the narrative of the early church and narrative of, of the early creation, we would find ourselves so much more meaning and purpose and why and wisdom about our calling. If we would just take this portion and just begin to pull it apart. And we're not going to do all of that today, but let me just make a couple key points. God watered it. We work it. 
God watered it, we work it. Now, I know later on, Paul says a thing like, we, we, right, we water, we plant seed, and God makes it grow. Regardless of the point, the point is that we are going to be in partnership with God with what this earth looks like. The creation that will cultivate the land it has been placed in. He creates a creation that will create. In fact, the creation mandate that's just a few verses later talks about this idea that we would be fruitful, we would multiply, and we would watch and work the land. Some of us have taken the idea of dominion and let go of all responsibility towards the creation it is, right? And we have lost the purpose and the desire. And I understand that this can be changed. We're, we're going we're gonna to go on the journey. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. The second thing is this, that we all have a shape. We need a spirit. God shaped the man Adam and then breathed his life into him. In other words, we can have a form without a function. If we miss this idea that God breathes into us the life that our body needs, he animates what he's created. So he shapes you, makes you, gives you gifts, talents, abilities, and all kinds of extremities, all these things that will function in a certain way. And then what makes it actually work and go and move and breathe is his spirit. I promise we're going on a journey here. Remember these things, shape and spirit. And the third thing is this, that he was placed there. You know what's weird? Adam didn't choose it. Adam didn't choose it. God just put him there, said, here you go, make something of it. I think so many times the reason we struggle with our calling is because we're worried about our place. And so often we allow place to determine purpose. And what God says is, I've placed you, so now work it. The garden was ready before the man was. And the garden is there so that you can be placed there, and whatever's there, make something with it. Oh, I'd much rather have a God who goes, hey, you get to make this into something than it is already made, and you just have to deal with it. No, you can actually, well, that's why I love, hey, base, build your house upon the foundation of Jesus, but I've not told you what the house needs to look like. If you like shutters, cool. If you like a front porch, awesome. If you like a back porch, go with it. If you like yellow house, I'm cool with that. Just don't move next to me, you know? <laughs> Build it on me, and I'm cool with that, because anything that's not built on me won't fit on me. I'm not worried about you trying to go too far. If you, if you go past me, it's not going to work. Right here. Build it on me. So he's giving us this place where you are. Let me tell you something, where you are. And I understand that God calls and moves and shapes, and I understand that all completely. So, and that's going to make more sense as we move into the next scripture. Um, but where you are, there you are. And I'm not saying you have to be there forever. I'm just saying where you are, there you are. Some of us are so worried about where we are, we've forgotten about what we can do where we are. We diminish the place, and we miss the purpose. Again, I am not saying that you have to stay in the same thing forever. I'm simply saying that when God places you, plant yourself and allow it to become. It's possible. That, oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, let me just, the church, this is the part I think the world misses about the church, part, partly because we haven't represented it well, is that the church and the people of Israel in the Old Testament prophesied and spoke out, but they did it. They, they corrected themselves. 
We tend to read Scripture as though it is always about correcting the world. But the, the church is meant to be self-correcting. It is meant to look in and go, we are missing the point. All right? So some of us hear people going, well, I don't know about the church doing this. And we go, oh, how dare you get defensive. And we actually should be going, okay, where are they right? Where are we missing it? Where, where should we get it better? Because if we are meant to be the people who are cultivating creation, then whose fault is it when creation isn't cultivated? We spend all of our time condemning creation. And that's not our job. Our job is to cultivate the creation. And so maybe, just maybe, no, it's not all, all our fault. I, man, and the church has done so many amazing things over the course of history. I know there's a lot of, like, just battering. The, like, I get it. But the church, I mean, hospitals, I'm glad we have those. I'm glad we tried. Like, there's a lot of good things. Okay, anyways, all I'm saying is that if the world isn't where we want it to be, guess whose responsibility that is? Guess whose purpose that is? It is the people of God. Why? Because we have a better vision for what it can be. The earth looks upon the earth and says, what is the earth? The people of God look at heaven and go, that's what could be right here. It is our vision of what life should be. That's, that is what we have. We have an alternative story. Quit trying to create a similar story just with a different cover. No, we have an alternative story. It fits in a completely different aisle at the bookstore. We just got to get people to that aisle, that's all. We take responsibility. That doesn't mean the devil hasn't had, you know, the one that Mary was pointing out. It doesn't mean the devil hasn't had some say. It doesn't mean that, that, that bad things haven't had the, the chance to mess things up. It doesn't mean that evil has not been present and been pushing and moving and shaping things. But it just means that you and I are not intimidated by that because the gates of hell cannot stand upon or stand against those who know Jesus. Okay, let's move to the next stop on this tour. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says this. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying, filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so I want you to hear this. This is a mirror image of what we see in the beginning of the story. At the beginning of the story, we see a man who is formed and shaped and breathed into. And in the second part of the story, in the Acts story, we see a people that are formed and shaped and then breathed into. Same purpose, same desire, same want, same thing. It's like the God was gathering the dust of the earth, bringing together even those who others had disqualified from ministry and brought into this space and place. And for three years, Jesus just pulling each, each grain of sand together, pulling it together, pulling it together, getting it together, pulling it into a space and a shape that looked like something we could do something with. And then he breathed his breath in to it. Same word, same purpose, same visual, that the wind of God would breathe upon the people of God and make them the body of Christ. And just as God has breathed into the body of Adam so that he would cultivate the creation he was placed in, the Holy Spirit came and breathed upon us that we might cultivate the creation we were placed in. It went from the breath in a person to the breath in a people. We went from a person of God to a people of God. 
And this is who we are. We just came out of this community series. We just talked about what it is to be in life-giving, cross-centered community. Well, part of that is that we would begin as the church to live out the calling that God has placed upon us. And this is our first calling as the body of Christ, is to be the body of Christ. In fact, in Ephesians 1, or sorry, Ephesians 4, verse 1, the, the scripture we just read that um, Jeff and Karen read for us. Therefore, I, prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Walk worthy of that calling. Now, I'm going to explain that word worthy in a minute because that can bring some pressure. It's okay. Pressure's okay. Don't, don't get me weird, wrong here, but I'm going to explain that word a little bit differently. But we are meant to live this calling, and he's writing it to a group of people. Now, let me explain what's happened in Ephesians 1. I'm going to quote an author here who says this, and I, I'm supposed to give these to screen guys so they can put them up there so you don't just watch me reading something, and I'm just going to get better at that, I promise. He says, therefore. So what is, he there, what is that therefore, right? What do is, what is the first three chapters of Ephesians speak to? This is what one writer says. I think he summed it up well. Not only does this text mark the halfway point of this epistle, it introduces the focus of the second half of the letter. Ephesians 1 through 3 stands as a celebratory reminder to the letter's audience of their new shared identity in and through Jesus. Formerly, the audience had been Gentiles, aliens. Therefore, they had not been members of God's chosen holy people. They were apart from Christ and thus had lived a hopeless, ungodly existence. Now, however, they had been immersed in God's grace through Christ's death and so are citizens and members of God's household. They are part of the risen in Christ, in whom God is uniting the entire cosmos according to the mystery of God's salvific plan. As participants in the Christ in the Christ-established new humanity, the letter's recipients are also reminded that they are now members of the church, which is the body, with Christ as its head. The crucial introductory, therefore, in verse four, verse one of chapter four, serves as a pivotal appeal for the audience to manifest who God has called them to be. So what's happening here? As Genesis happens, people of God, the, the Israelites are being formed. This whole thing happens over the course of a long time. Then all of a sudden in Acts, the people of God are gathered. God breathes into it. They are now this almost this new body of Christ with Jesus as the head. And then it's beginning to extend beyond just the Jews. And they're explaining this to the Gentiles, anyone who wasn't a Jew. They're explaining it to And Paul is trying to get across to them that now you are called family. So guess what? Act like it. And so the first thing he does after introducing that thought is not tell them to go take on the world. It starts telling them to fight for unity, love one another, serve one another, be humble with one another, love well, be a family, do that well because it will be a witness to those around you. And then he says, live a life worthy, which is more of an economic term. It's more of a balancing act. It is to say, you are called to this, this majestic, amazing plan, your new identity, your new calling. Everything is different. So I want you to balance that by living as though it's true. Live in light of what I'm telling you is true about you. Richard Carlson said, Christian conduct not only flows out of the new reality created by God, Christian conduct puts into concrete action their new reality in Christ. Have you ever had roommates that didn't act like roommates? They acted like it was still just them in the house? I was one of those. I apologize to him. I, he's in college, and, and I just didn't understand what it meant to have a roommate. It was a tiny room, so. Do you ever have, uh, you ever have um, uh, be in a relationship where the person uh, didn't know that they were in a relationship? Uh, you ever have coworkers that didn't realize you were a coworker of theirs? Listen, sometimes we can have a label and not live it. 
Sometimes we can have this kind of spoken thing over our lives and not realize that it's there. Or we realize it's there and we don't live into it. Oz Guinness, which is one of the books I would recommend during this series called The Call, simply called The Call, by a guy named Oz Guinness. He says this, calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion and dynamism, lived out as a response to his summons and service. So our response is to live united. Our response is to love one another. Our response is to be the body of Christ. And we read this, and there's, you know what's impossible? Taking sections of scripture like this and going, let's just do this in 40 minutes. He says this in verse 12 of Ephesians 4, and there's no way we're going to cover all of these things, because it talks about apostles and prophets. There's all kinds of stuff. We'll talk about it over the next several weeks. It says this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I love this translation, because I think it hits something really, really strong. Number one, to equip the saints. Which saints? Well, if you go back to Ephesians 3, what does he say? He says, I want you to experience the love of Christ, the unmeasurable love of Christ with all the saints. If you think this thing, this Christian life, is meant to be done by yourself, you did not actually read the Bible. The way you experience the fullness of God himself is with others. That's why when Jesus called his disciples, he calls them into community that they might be shaped and formed and made so that then when they go, they have friends and they have family and they can keep going when it gets tough. Equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's all the saints. It's all of us. Every single one of us. And no saint does not mean you lived a perfect life. It means Jesus did. And it means he's called you into his family and he's giving you titles and labels you don't deserve, but that's the beauty of our God. He calls you into this place, and we are meant to be the saints together, living according to his purpose. And then it says this phrase, work of ministry. You know, it doesn't say work of the ministry. How many of us have relegated ministry to a the? Well, they're in the ministry. They're doing the ministry. No, 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 no. To equip the saints for ministry. Wherever they are. Wherever they go, in the places they go, in the people they meet, in the streets and hearts of this city and our neighborhoods, we are equipped to do ministry, to love people, to serve people. We are not trying to make all of you great volunteers. We want, as you serve, to become more of all that God has called you to become so that Monday works and Tuesday works and Wednesday works and Thursday works and Friday works and Saturday works. And then it says, this is one of my favorite lines in all of Scripture, and it's why we harp on community and unity so much. Fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Oh, man, these, again, this is one of those, that if you really like, buy into the hyper-individualism of the age that we live in, this, is, this one hurts. This one hurts. This is tough. This is one of those, it's like a gut punch. You and I will all grow together, grow into who we're called to be, reach the fullness of Christ, be in maturity when each of us are properly working. Do you know what that means? I'm invested in you. It means you're invested in me. Because if you're working, I'm working. And if I'm working, 
you're working them. And if you're getting healthy, I'm probably going to get some more healthy. And if I'm getting more healthy, you're probably going to get some more healthy. And if you're, you're joyful, guess what? That's going to rub off. And if I get more joyful, that's going to rub off. And if I get more free, you're probably going to get more free. As long as we stay together in bond of peace and dwell in unity and make every effort for unity to stick, then guess what? You and I growing together, each part working its part will become more a part of what God is doing in the body of Christ. So we could talk about calling, but I'm not going to move to calling if we don't understand that our first calling is to one another. Our first calling as the church is to be the church. Our first calling as the body of Christ is to be the body of Christ, to be the finger attached to the hand, attached to the forearm, attached to the elbow, attached to the bicep, you know, the big one on my right arm, to attach to the shoulder, attached to the chest. It's meant to be all of those things. And when we get that connected, when we get that working, all oh, the fullness of Christ, in, isn't that what we want? I want the fullness of Christ in my life in our community, in my family, in my friendships. And you know what that means? I want you properly working. And I want you to want me properly working. And my role here, and Mayor's role here, and other team here, our goal is not to be the people who do the ministry. It is for us to be the people who do ministry. And there are special giftings and special callings and special talents and special things on the inside of each and every single one of you. I believe that with all of my heart. But please don't pursue that at the sake of the greatest gift God ever gave. And that is the rallying cry of the cross and resurrection that makes us a family that is so mystical and so special and so supernatural that nothing on this earth would ever rival it. Because we have a picture of what this earth looks like. It's a garden with all kinds of things we get to cultivate it and make it and shape it and do what God has called us to do. So let us live a life worthy of the calling that's placed upon it. To be the body of Christ, to be different, and to love one another fully, care for one another, and to discover alongside one another who we are called to be. So let me just make this practical for you. Who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? I, listen, I'm not telling you not to pray for yourself, but who are you praying for? Who needs to be properly working? And no, I'm not trying to get you to gossip. Hey, who's messed up right now? Like, Because I need to pray for them. Who are you praying for? Who are you calling out the calling in them? Who have you recently looked at and said, you know, you're actually good at something? Man, I see something in you. We're people of faith. There might be people around you like, are you sure you? We should be like the moms on American Idol. No, actually, you need to be confident. But I'm just saying, like, speak into someone's life. Who have you spoken into? Who in this room has been striving at something, trying to make it happen? Who can you speak life into? Man, I honor that. Way to go. It's amazing. Keep doing it. God's changing the lives of people. Who are you sowing that into? Because I promise you, Bishop Bronner, Word of Faith Center, he always talks about this, that the quickest way to discover your purpose is to help someone else discover theirs.
I want you to stay seated today because I've got something to share after I pray. But um, I, just, I do want you to just put your, your hands in a posture of receiving. Because I'm telling you right now, you don't have to go striving for the calling God's put on you. You receive it. You receive it. Quit trying to make God do something and just receive what God has already done. You are a creation created to create. Your words have power. Your hands have purpose. Your heart beats for a reason. I don't care what life has brought you through and all the pain that you may have experienced. God is still doing what he's always done. Redeeming, bringing to life that which was dead, and putting in the hands of his creation the responsibility to create. So God, we come before you as your church. We come before you right now and we ask that we would receive the calling you placed upon us. Pray that we would receive the thing you have made us for. I pray that we would be for one another. Those who speak life, hope, faith, and love. Let us be the church. Let us be the people of God as the body of Christ. Let all the saints do what God has called them to do. And I pray right now, I reject every lie, God, every trauma, every hurt, every single thing that has said you cannot start that business, you cannot do that creative endeavor, you cannot be a worthy servant in the church. God, I pray you would, oh, Holy Spirit, bust that stuff up now, but set them free. God, there are businessmen and women in this space. There are entrepreneurs in this space. There are creatives in this space. There are incredible moms and dads in this space. There are incredible neighbors in this space. There are people who are going to administrate all of our crazy ideas. There are, there's all kinds of things, and I pray it would come out in force. But I pray we would do it as we commit to one another. We thank you for it, that God, you have brought us in to participate what you are doing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, babe, you want to jump up here? Uh, we were some people last night, told them we, were, we had a little news to share, and um, uh, uh, it's not the kind of news you always want to share, but um, we, over the last, you know, we came out of COVID well, gosh, I don't know, a couple years ago. Well, we didn't come out of COVID a couple years. COVID hit a couple years ago. And, uh, and about six, seven, eight months later, we started gathering again as a church, and a lot had changed. There was a lot that had changed and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of things that we were not quite prepared for. Right. And one of the things that happened in that moment was that um, a couple in our church, well, a couple who was not part of our church came along to become part of our church. Yes. And... Um, and they began to just stabilize a space in, for us that was um, that we needed deeply, and um, and they had already been sort of friends, right? Yeah. Um, but over the last couple of years, have become friends yeah. and have become family. Um, but over the last several months, um, I've made them upset. I'm just joking. That's not what happened. <laughs> I'm just making jokes because I don't want to do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. um,
but you know God moves in ways we don't always understand and um, and so over the last several months we've sat with them and I've sat with him and just talked about what God's doing in their life and uh, what's next and uh, and they're feeling like the Lord has um, called them out of the season here at C3 and not for any other reason than that they're just trying to trust God and I would not admonish them to do anything else yeah. how dare I get in the way yeah. that usually shows a lack of trust in the God who orchestrates the earth yeah. and so over the last couple of years uh, Donnie and Ruthie have just become um, just incredible stability for our church and a, an incredible uh, people for our church and they've become dear friends of ours and um, we've cried a lot the last few months but over the next couple weeks, uh, Donnie and Ruthie will be moving on from C3. And uh, I don't know if that sounds the worst way to say it or not, but but they're just tr- they're trusting God. And, um, and I'm going to trust God with them. And uh, they have been just great. They've just stabilized something that would have been a mess. We would have had, we would have had a tough go there for a little bit. Um, and so I want to just tell you that... Um, over the next couple of weeks, they will uh, we'll kind of have a proper send-off at our all-in-team night uh, May 3rd, yeah. and we'd love for you to be there. Um, and they've been incredible. And I know many of you guys, this is somewhat shocking to you, but you love them too, and, and you've really enjoyed the way they've led us into the presence of God and, and yeah. uh, led us as a family, become part of our family. Yes. Um, I also want to say this. I have incredible hope about what God has brought yeah. into the room, what he already had in the room, mm-hmm. uh, people like Karen and Diana and Chris and others who, who are just stalwarts, who are just powerful, powerful people. Um, and strong in the Lord, but also some of you who are in the room that didn't know you were part of God's plan, and um, and uh, I, I just believe God's going to do something surprising, and I do, I truly believe that. Yeah. So over the next week or so, you'll hear us talking about how and maybe how you can be involved in that, but I don't want to move to that too fast. So I just want to have Donnie and Ruthie, and we we worked this to where they're going to have to sing after this, and because um, <laughs> like you deserve it. Um, <laughs> But I just want to pray over them really quickly yeah. and and, uh, yeah. uh, and just pray that um, God would take them and lead them where they're going. And, yes. uh, and, uh, and, and we, we, we're trying to give you a couple weeks so that you can not like yeah. overwhelm them today, uh, but that you can find them over the next couple weeks. They're going to be around. They're friends. Yeah, um, they will. And uh, uh, there really isn't. Like, like there is nothing that has been done that... Um, they're, they're trusting God, and I want to trust God yeah. with them. Amen? Yeah. And so, um, we love you guys so much. Yeah, we do. Well, we thank you for uh, faithful people. We thank you for uh, people who, in your plan, <laughs> not ours, show up for a season. And uh, we thank you for what these two have represented and their kids, Ethan and Ez and Eli. Yeah. We thank you for the purpose you put upon them. We thank you for the way you have led them. We thank you for the way they've led us. And I do pray that you would stir up in them a future that is beyond words. And I thank you as a church um, that we would be there with them and for them as they transition. Um, We know it's hard for all of us involved. And I pray that you would lead us and guide us in this local community to do what's next and to do it well and to do it with honor and um, with pure hearts. And uh, we thank you for it. Lord, I pray for them. I thank you for them. I pray you would strengthen them and comfort them and and be with them as they go. 
we thank you for. Babe, do you have anything? Yeah, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the heart surrendered to you, Lord God. Father, for walking this journey out and talking it through, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful relationship um, of friendship that they are to us. And Lord, I just uh, thank you for their journey that they're on, Lord, wherever they go. God, they're going to honor you. They're going to bless you. And people around them are always going to be lifted up because that's just who they are. I thank you, Lord, that this is not the end, but a beautiful beginning for the next chapter of their life. God, that you've brought so much healing and God, you've redeemed some things in this season, not just for us as a church, but for them. And so, God, we're just so um, we're so blessed by this couple, Lord, and we just um, we honor them, Lord. Father, that you would open doors for them. God, take them where you want to take them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I, I'll say this to you as well. I trust the reason you show up every week is because you love this body. And I want to encourage you, let's keep loving this body as we transition and things are going to look a little different. And we're going to, we got some great people in the room who are going to help us through all of it. And I, I just believe in God. And what I love is that we've created a community that loves the Sunday to Sunday and loves the temple to table. And uh, let's keep doing that. Amen.